this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? He's back again to another quarterly co-host, Tom Geraghty, back for episode two to talk all about psychological safety. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution or one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risper. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button, bell, follow, whatever magical algorithm button is on your platform. My name is James McPherson, the MD and lead consultant here at RiskFluent, the company that brings you rebranding safety. So today we are episode two of our quarterly co-host. It's the first quarterly co-host of this year. If you are interested in being a quarterly co-host, you want to try something weird out. You want to talk Talk about your methodology. You want to talk about a specific topic that may be pissing you off or exciting you or whatever it is. You can have three episodes with us. You come on, be a co-host. It could just be me and you, or we could co-interview someone. We could have group calls. It literally is an open book. So if you've got something you're passionate about, you want to talk about, you think oh, one episode's not enough, then please DM me and we can sort you out with the next quarterly co-host. But as we stand, we are with Tom Geraghty at Q1 of 2023, and we're talking all about psychological safety. This is a great conversation. If you are unsure about taking all of these helicopter terms for psychological safety and applying it and really understanding it, this is the place to be. This is episode two, but this is the one where we really get into what does this actually look like? Now, don't get me wrong. We don't go anywhere near what, how deep this can go, um, but we talk about so much stuff. And then episode three, we're going to cover a hell of a lot more as well. So if you are thinking about looking into say, uh, psychological safety, if you've maybe read the book, watched a couple of keynotes or saw some, some blogs of these people that think they know psychological safety because maybe they read one book once or watched a TED talk probably start here and then go into the source material if I was you. But before I get on my high horse, because let's be honest, no one wants to see me there, let's get on to our conversation with the amazing Tom Geraghty. Tom, welcome back to the podcast, mate. It's great to be back. Thank you. Just starting to realise how dark my screen is. <laughs> um, thank you very much for coming on again. Obviously, you didn't really have a choice. You committed to three episodes, so <laughs> yeah. you had to come back on. Um, but I had some good feedback off the first one already. So um, so people are are clearly interested in this topic, which we kind of knew anyway, um, but, but definitely vibing with what we're talking about. Um, can you remember what we spoke about? Are you comfortable giving a quick refresher on kind of what Ooh. we spoke about? Or well, is- I've got my notes here. I could I could go through my notes, but uh, but um, uh, no, but I can't remember off the top of my head. We, we we very much just kind of chewed the fat, really, didn't we? On like introducing the concept, where it came from, some key academics in that process as well. Um, so I do think 
if people, you always get those weirdos. I, I used to have, a, we used to have a friend that they said, oh, I, I, I like Game of Thrones, but I don't really get it. And then we were like, oh, right, because they started at like season five. They didn't watch one to five. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> if you are that weirdo that just thought, I'm just going to listen to episode two and not listen to episode one, then, you know, it's your own fault. We go back to listen to episode one. But yeah, we just really kind of introduced the concept, I felt. Whereas today, yeah. really want to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of, what it is, kind of how it how it became, and what it really looks like, I suppose, and then maybe hopefully get into some potential criticisms if we have time as to some criticism, and then if we have even more time, um, which we might not, and this might go over to the episode three. But how does it work with things like workers done, workers imagined, and so on? Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really nice opportunity. For me, at least, to really to dive into a bit more and get get into the, like I said, the nuts and bolts of it a bit more. It's really, yeah, really great opportunity. Yeah, do you, I there was definitely in my head. I was like, I, we need to do at least one episode of what this actually looks like because mm. I do think it's just one of the things we suffer with so much, maybe in society, but particularly in safety. It's just this addiction to like helicopter views on stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just being like, oh yeah, like so I'm, even the newer, more modern, more woke safety people are just as bad for it. Like, oh yeah, people are not the problem; they're the solution. Like, that's just a tagline. You want to probably look at all of this academia that sits underneath that tagline, and psychological safety maybe suffered from that as well. I think. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but it's like a bit, like you say, it's it's like so much of the kind of work and business and leadership literature and 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 stuff where um it's and of course what's easy to what's easy to consume and what's what's kind of almost more enjoyable to consume and kind of uh easier to create is the is the broader and i i, I want to say generic i don't really mean that as an insult but like it's 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 what's really difficult is to what what what's more difficult is to create the guidance the tools the practical advice that applies mm-hmm. in the context of people actually doing the work yeah and like you know i've got massive respect for simon sinek and and he's done some great work and and i love his books uh and 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 you read his book and you come away thinking he's got it he's nailed it this is exactly what i want to do and then you walk into you know a one-to-one with someone and like right okay but what what do i actually do now yeah yeah how you know what what does that mean in practice and it's and it, and that's there's there's this there is this gap sometimes between the yeah. um, the broad brush and the and the practice of it it's funny you use Simon as an example because I love Simon's work, mm. but but I've got to a point now where I loathe Simon's work because <laughs> all I hear everywhere is, yeah, but what's your why? And I'm like, tell me what that what you mean by that, because I'm fed up of being asked what my why is when no one can really tell me what their fucking why is. And like there is this real like I, the notion of it makes 100 percent sense mm. and it and, and i get it and there's evidence to it but like the nuts and bones of what that actually looks like particularly for an organization even for an individual i find it's phenomenally hard to work that out but for an organization like what's your purpose like, i don't know we've we fucking build these machines that my dad invented like <laughs> my grand yeah. great granddad invented or whatever it's like it, it's phenomenally hard and I, and I think psychological safety is the same as that um yeah, well, that's and that's and, and that's a really good point actually because so, like, like I think it's actually really, really important. There's so much to unpack here because it is really important to understand the why, for to, partly just to 
exist as a business as or as any organization to do the thing you're trying to do you need to know the why you need to know your mission you need to know what you're actually trying to achieve um the mission of of our business is to make the world of work a safer more equitable and higher performing place and actually and 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 so we've we've tried to create a mission that's quite clear and concise yeah and memorable which means that when we're talking about some work whether we should take on a client whether we should do this work or do that work we can just look at our mission statement and say does it do some of that because if it doesn't then we're not going to do it and Mm. and and so it's really really helpful for us to 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 do that um and so much so much hangs off that mission that mission statement that why um but what what i also find interesting is that um like you've just talked about a business that makes what is it like widgets that your dad invented and yeah. and that's cool like that's great because so, and i think we were talking about this before or, or earlier where there's almost this sort of unwritten unspoken shame in well we're trying to make a living oh just like oh it, this is like one of my biggest bugbears with this whole thing is like oh wash wash your why well i've I've worked for a company that that makes machines and their why is like so far removed from what they actually do i'm just like huh what and why is nobody's why on their website because it fucking is inside their their soul and their mind why has nobody got the cojones to write on there that what's the why of this business to make a shitload of money <laughs> exactly 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 because i guarantee yeah. there is a lot of businesses out there that are about making a shitload of money yeah yeah or yeah or like you know making the making the founder rich by by exiting and selling off to to Facebook or something, and that all of a sudden Simon's work is like everyone's why has to be this like really ethical, like really socially moral kind of thing. Like Jeff Bezos's why is what you know make sure that every consumer gets their high quality product within an hour. Maybe it is right. I don't think it is. I think it's about getting a shitload of money maybe <laughs> yeah. at some point I'm, I'm not sure maybe i'm just being maybe i'm being um grumpy i think i think you can i think this is this is the thing like you can have two missions two whys one is one is the why of the business like and that's like kind of whether you know the business is doing the right thing for the business whether they're whether you're continuing on the right path sort of thing um and and yeah, your other is is why for for you for for the person who owns a business or works in a business and and we we live in a capitalist world where you know someone invented money a long time ago, so we, we we've got to keep making it because that's the that's the game we've been set. Um, in, interestingly, and in because this has come up a couple of times now, um, not just with us, but in, in a different conversation, uh, different quarterly co-hosts we were talking about with another safety consultant that staffed about started his business pretty much just a couple of months before us. So we did a whole quarterly co-host just talking about running a safety consultancy and how kind of hard it is and and so on um and we ended up talking about our why for a long time and i went off on a very long rant about it <laughs> and, and i'm still struggling with it to that point that you mentioned something really interesting there um about having multiple kind of purposes um but interesting i don't know if you've ever been on the ethics center website 
and they've got loads of it's an Australian based organization, mm. I think. Um, but the ethics center, they've got loads of really handy like guides and other, and their best practice guide to good culture, I think it's called, or best practice guide to culture, um, says each company needs to have an ethical framework. And in that ethical framework is basically a purpose, some values and some principles. So the purpose is what you as a company exist for, obviously. Principles are guiding principles of like, um, we might say something like we're a people-centered organization, something like that. It's a real broad but but core guiding principle. And then your values are a little bit more tangible. So they might be, so if I look at our company, our values are, we don't do health and safety gone mad. We also don't do tick boxing, you know, so they're more tangible mm-hmm. um, things, whereas our principles are kind of people-centered. So that's a principle for us, so that's core. But our yeah. purpose is to make smart businesses, not safe businesses. Now, yeah, yeah. that's just us making up some some stuff that sounds good. In my head, it's just like, it's a, it's a lot cruder than that, but but it is kind of that that's how we did it. And and I've always followed that guidance because I thought it was really good. Yeah. How how does this contribute to psychological safety though? So I think it, 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 this is a really it's a really nice way in because because like psychological safety and clarity of purpose and everything around clarity of purpose are to my mind completely intertwined in that in that a business you've got you know you've got your mission statement you've got your values so your mission statement tells you what you're trying to do values tell you kind of what the boundaries are what the expectations are what how how do we behave how do we do this yeah then you've got your strategy of course that that describes how we're going to how we're going to try to get to that mission how we're actually going to steer our way there and and then you've got things like tactics and deliverables and stuff like that which is which is all the short-term actual actual stuff that you do now all of that all of that is essential for psychological safety if we turn up to work if anyone turns up to work in any job wondering what they're meant to do that day uh what what on earth we meant to do like what's our purpose why am i here um who am i meant to help who am i meant to serve what am i meant to deliver or create and how am I meant to do it? What are my boundaries of uh, of decision making? Like where 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 are the limits of of the decisions I can make? You know, I presumably I can make a decision to create a word document and write a report, but presumably I can, maybe I can't make a decision to acquire this business over here for for twenty four million pounds. Mm. That's probably outside of my remit. Yeah, but knowing where those boundaries lie and all of that stuff is really crucial. For psychological safety we don't have those boundaries it erodes our psychological safety our, our, our sense of um of of security and predictability in our role and um this is this is to this is psychological safety but it's also about job or security and simply being feeling safe in a job um but it is psychological safety because it because it affects how we communicate with each with each other like if we if we don't know what we're meant to be doing at work, if we don't know what our mission is, if we don't know what our boundaries are, it can be it can make communicating with other people, particularly maybe more people with authority in our organization, quite difficult and and concerning and worrying and anxiety ridden because we're not quite sure if we're speaking above our station, out of place, mm. if we're saying something we shouldn't say, if we're talking about something we shouldn't talk about, uh, if we're saying something stupid or something like that. So knowing all this stuff, wrapping all this stuff 
up in something and making it explicit so making your mission explicit making your values explicit making your strategy explicit and um and then once you get into tactics making all that explicit is really crucial but once you get into tactics this comes this comes to google's project aristotle stuff so this is to high performing teams really. this is this is in addition to psychological safety we need uh so we need we need people need to know that their work actually makes a difference like if you're going to write that report or write that bit of code or um or run a workshop or whatever it is you do you need to know that that actually makes a difference to someone um there was a really interesting study a while back i can't remember who did it but there's a really interesting study done um with people writing like filling out forms in a right. big room and, so, and they uh and, and they had lots of people filling out forms and um some of the people so whenever you filled out a form you take it to the person at the front desk and depending on what group you were in what sort of study group you were in you you, you the person would either take your form and they'd say and they'd read it and say oh thanks very much that's brilliant put it on a pile and then give you another one to fill out uh for another group they'd they'd briefly look at it put it on a pile and give you another one to fill out for another group they wouldn't even look at it they'd just scrunch it up and throw it in a bin and give you another one to fill out <laughs> and and even though and it kind of sounds obvious right but even though these people were doing exactly the same work they're being paid the same rate they're being paid the same rate they're doing exactly the same work the people who were getting praised for it and knew that their work or perceived that their work made a difference performed at a much much higher uh, level than the people who saw their work get thrown straight in the bin so you need to know your work makes a difference wow yeah so there's a couple of things here i really i really like that i'm going to come back to that um i want to i want to clarify clarity ironically um <laughs> so, so we need to have some clarity of what the business is ultimately trying to achieve i need to have clarity of what in my task I'm trying to achieve or my project or whatever, yeah. maybe. And then also do I need to have clarity of my role within that and my boundaries as well? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. And this is why, and that clarity is actually really hard to achieve, right? Because mm. like clarity one, mission statement, like what, what are we here to do? So if you're in the NHS, for example, you know, you're here to, uh, save lives and improve the health of everyone who comes into contact with the organization right I, yeah. I, I i don't actually know the mission statement of the nhs but i assume that's it, something like that so you know that but yeah um and knowing what what you're you're there to do what what your role in that is and what your piece in the, what your place in the team is, is is absolutely crucial um and it does break down into these different components and that's why the re this is well, the fact is that this is hard. And the fact that this is hard is why there are so many different frameworks out there for establishing clarity. Things like OKRs, um, ob objectives and key results, things like smart objectives. Um and I'm you know, I'm struggling to think of others, but they're all they're all acronyms. They're all they're all basically different ways of turning that goal into okay, but I've got a pen and paper or a hammer and nail. What do I what am I gonna do right now? Um and what am I going to do first? Almost more importantly, like how do I manage priorities? Um, and that is surprisingly difficult once you get above a certain organizational scale. Right? Mm. This is where this is why we see startups. I've worked in startups that have been sort of 20, 30, 40 people. 
And we scaled up really, really quickly. At a scale of 20, 30, 40 people, you're getting stuff done like, or you just firing on all cylinders. You're just going all the time. There's very little communication friction. And everyone is really close to that goal. Really yeah. visceral and right there. Tangible, isn't it? Tangible. And as you, but as you scale up, it gets much more difficult to to see for for people in the organization to see their role their piece their how how their their impact and this is this is this is the point how their impact affects the outcome affects the uh, organization achieving its goal so and uh, make sure i don't forget because uh, there's so much in this so i'm just like the, the thing need to talk about <laughs> question about this but then i just want to talk about this um so I just, I just, there's one thing that keeps coming up on my mind is when we said about clarity of like my boundaries of my role, that, that in its own right is quite complex because yeah. if you think about, so if you think about like, I'm a receptionist, my role naturally has boundaries of X, but then you might also, and so then naturally you might come into like the hierarchy conversation, which I do want to come back onto hierarchy mm. and how that works with it. Um, but, but additionally, you might say, just to use the NHS example, right? You might then look at a surgeon and say, oh, because of the high, you know, the social hierarchy of like being a surgeon, but they're ultimately probably equally limited in their roles because they're very specialist. Yeah. So they're very focused. Actually, maybe a receptionist has less boundaries of what they can do and, and flexibility within their roles as a to compared to a surgeon. But then then you've got quality boundaries, safety mm. boundaries. Mm. In the NHS, you're going to have like biological patient safety boundaries, then you're going to have data boundaries. So if you like, I'm just thinking, because I keep coming back to it from a safety point of view, in that we create boundaries and safety, like like that's yeah. our kind of job in a way, isn't it? Risk assess yeah. and go, where's yeah. the boundary, where's the fail safe and so on. As an employee, I find that's really hard to work to remember all of these boundaries that you can't cross. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, exactly, exactly, and and this is this is, I mean, this is kind of a. So I I see this as the kind of outcome of a of an overemphasis on safety one approaches, like trying to stop things going wrong. Whenever something goes wrong, we put in another boundary. That's that mm. tends to be the the the, the practice, right? Um, we 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 restrict and constrict behavior until we're sort of trying to treat people as machines. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're just trying to restrict their their natural tendency to to go outside those boundaries, um, which makes it even more, more difficult to understand where all these boundaries lie. Because, like I said, there's so many different kinds. There's there's like the the receptionist, for example, might have a very broad remit, but a quite shallow remit. Yeah, like they're not they haven't got much much power, maybe, but they've got a but they've got a little bit of power in a lot of different places. Yeah. That surgeon has a lot of power in one very very small niche, and that's just yeah. on that operating table right there. They might have other other more more sort of social power and stuff yeah, like yeah. as well due to status and things. Um, but yeah, but I, and I find the the idea of boundaries really really interesting as well when we're talking about so going back to psychological safety and human error and stuff because um, 
human error uh, so there's a, there's a categorization of human error which is um slips and lapses mistakes and violations right so slips and lapses are you know the things we forget to do or slight or, or or you know maybe don't do it quite perfectly maybe we, we're driving we go slightly above the speed limit because we we were looking at something else that's natural right that's that's it's illegal but but it's i think we've we've all done that and 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 most of us would consider ourselves good drivers um and then there's mistakes which is which is making a decision that turns out to be wrong uh after the after the fact like we we decide to uh pull out at a junction um but it but it turned out to be the wrong decision because something that we 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 didn't realize or didn't see or couldn't see that there was a motorbike coming around the corner um and then there's violations and it's violations that i find almost most interesting of the lot because violations are where we intentionally or well where we go outside of those boundaries where humans go outside of the boundaries and we can go outside the boundaries intentionally or unintentionally we might be we might know about the boundary and just not care about it and just just do what we want to do anyway we might not even know about the boundary and so we exceed the boundary because we didn't know it was there we didn't know the speed limit was in place we didn't know there was a speed limit so we just traveled at whatever speed we wanted to um but this is where I find this deviation, this violation of, of boundaries really interesting because in psychologically safe teams where we've got really clear goals, really clear objectives, that's where we can violate these boundaries. We can deviate on purpose from these boundaries to do the right thing, to get the right thing done. And, uh, and often that increases safety because these are often edge cases. These are often cases that the policies and procedures didn't really anticipate. Mm. And um and, and a, but in a psychologically safe team, when if someone deviates on purpose, and I, really, I, I always love this phrase, deviate on purpose. If you're going to deviate, do it, do it on purpose. If someone deviates on purpose from the policy, the procedure, the boundary, they will not be punished. It might turn out to be wrong, but but we 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 accept um, that they were trying to do the right thing. They had the expertise, and and in fact, they they did everything. What's the? It's the local rationality principle, isn't it? It's um, mm. people do reasonable things given their goals, knowledge, understanding of the situation, and the focus of attention at a particular moment. So they they knew what the goal was. They had their knowledge. They can have no more knowledge. That's what they've got in their heads. They understand the situation. They may or may not have total understanding of the situation. Um, and they've and and they've got a somewhat limited focus of attention. None of us can focus all of our attention on one thing at one time, um, and um, and and we may, because of that, decide to deviate and violate this boundary. And and in some organisations, that's always punished. Mm. But in in some organisations, if that's if that deviation was on purpose then it's a learning opportunity because actually that deviation on purpose may well have saved someone's life or, or, or done something really good. And so, but it's only in retrospect that we can make that call. Okay. <laughs> so slip, slaps, mistake and violation I've kind of known for a very long time and always struggled with it, if I'm honest, because... Mm. The mistake is a wrong choice, as you kind of said, and a violation is is I've always like I've always found I've always found them way too similar. 
Like they're all they're all very much the same thing. Like a slips and laps, if we use the speeding example, right? If you're speeding, is that not also the wrong choice? You're choosing to speed, or is it a knowing choice? And and then and then additionally, when we get into this conversation of like blame accountability is a was a purposeful deviation and i was trying to get the job done so let and, me and it's just like well i just have we've never done it like that and there's all this i, I just i, I so, feel like this becomes a, a huge conversation about when do we blame when do we blame when when and it's it's this well so, so okay so it's, it's brilliant i love this i love this because first so the first so the first thing is that i don't feel it's ever useful to blame in any of these situations Right, slips and lapses happen to us all. However much expertise we have, the the you know um, Mozart made mistakes. Or, you know, sorry, Mozart you know slipped and lapsed sometimes when he was playing piano. Yeah. You know, so if if yeah, we all make we all make slips and lapses. That's natural. We're biological beings. Yeah. So we shouldn't blame slips and lapses. That's just nature. Yeah. Um, mistakes. The way I frame mistakes is is so if you're driving along and you come to a T junction and you can go left or you can go right. Now you know that the place you want to get to is direction, like it's 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 ahead of you. You don't you don't actually you don't you don't have a map in front of you. You don't know whether the, whether the best route to go is left or right. You so you just you just have to take a punt. You you go left. Turns okay. out that takes you on a two hour detour and you should have gone right. You had yep. no way of knowing that. Same as a footballer taking a uh, uh, sorry, a goalkeeper saving trying to save a penalty. They don't know in advance. They're just going to dive left or right, or stay in the okay. middle. Okay, that's a mistake because you only knew in retrospect. There was no way of knowing which de- which the best decision was in advance. Okay, okay, yeah. Where's the violation. That's it. So the violation is is where there is a policy, um, and so I, I think I've written about this in the past. So so a nurse say there's a policy that a nurse is not allowed to take bloods from a patient um without the explicit instruction from a doctor and so uh, so that's the policy nurses can't or shouldn't just take bloods from a patient to take blood samples however a situation arises um where where uh, a, a patient comes in um uh there's clear the nurse believes there is clear need to get bloods as quick as we can maybe there's maybe they suspect poisoning or something like that so um, and but but we know the doctor is 10 minutes away 15 minutes away half an hour away so the nurse decides to take bloods anyway because the patient's life is at risk and taking the bloods and finding out quick could mean the difference between life and death now she violated the policy the nurse violated the policy and And if they survive she's a hero if they die she's punished Exactly, exactly, exactly. So if if the patient survives, everyone goes, good decision, really well done, really, really good, good work there. Uh, someone someone might be sitting there going, well, but you shouldn't really have done that. But most people would say, well, well done. If the patient dies, then yeah, probably lose their job. So um that's a violation. But but again, you only like because because the policies and things are usually written for broad brush applications. Um, this, this, this is where I find this this whole conversation from it's it's kind of what I like to call academia as as imagined and academia as done. Yeah. Uh, in in the I just 
find that like that you you cannot avoid the conversation of I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid the word using the word blame because mm-hmm. I like to think of blame as like an emotional reaction. Yeah. But when when I and I was, I'll say culpability for now because that's yeah. what I mean by this is HR saying you're negligent or safety putting the non-compliance through or or whatever mm-hmm. there is some form of punishment. Because mm-hmm. you've been culpable for that mistake, which ultimately ties to accountability. If we were to use that scenario of the nurse is making a decision, a purposeful lot violation of that rule, it's a it's a decision that I should be accountable for. Yeah, um, I'm taking the bloods, even though I'm viol- I know I'm violating that rule. Okay, fine. In that moment, you're choosing to be accountable for it. That accountability only becomes culpability based on the outcome of the event yeah yeah so i had the really interesting scenario where somebody threw a line at me that that proper caught me and i was like hmm, like pondering on it for a good couple of days like sometimes we're we're not punishing people for the violation of a rule we're punishing people for an injury but using the violation of a rule as an excuse because we never punished a violation of the rule prior to the injury. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, and that's a really good point because there may well have been hundreds or thousands of occurrences where people violated this rule in the past before yeah. this adverse event. And, and yeah, and then... And then, but it's the adverse event we find out about. And this, this is, uh, you know, this is the opposite of Murphy's law, isn't it? Like M- Murphy's law states what, what can go wrong will go wrong. But in fact, it's wrong because, because what can go wrong rarely goes wrong. Like what, what goes, what can go right nearly goes right nearly all the time. Otherwise everything would fall apart all the time. But mm. um, we only notice it when it goes wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah. So if there's been a thousand violations and then the, on a thousandth and one time, it resulted in a, in a in a in a in a bad outcome. Then we punish it. That doesn't seem that doesn't mm. seem fair, does it? That doesn't seem right because not only we not not only is it unfair, but we're going to have an adverse outcome on the on the on the organisation because everyone who sees that, who witnesses that, are now not are now going to change their behaviour. Mm. So all those violations are going to stop. But he, he, here's how I try to approach this in so so i'm a practitioner i am definitely not an academic right so i struggle with a lot of this stuff and and one of i think what what we do as a company is try and take a lot of this stuff and work out what does this mean for the guy building the roof over here who's who's a team of five in his business and now he's got risk fluent as his consultant for example Mm. right and i'm all i'm all i'm coming along and i'm like right so we've got a difference between slips and laps and mistakes (laughs) and violation and he goes to me i just need some fucking rams james because i need to get on site get this job done Right. Yeah. This is that's the big difference between yeah, yeah, the yeah. in the the Conklins, the Deckers, and the the Amy Edmondsons are talking to your big aviation companies, your big oil and gas companies, and then it's it may be even trickling down to big construction companies. You know, like Langer Rock are always kind of held as, as uh, the pillars of of kind of a lot of this stuff. But ultimately, that filters all the way down. I mean, sorry, that doesn't filter down to these small companies. And and here's how I kind of 
try to communicate out. And this has taken essentially from a combination of Snowden's work, Carsten mm. Bush's work, and James Clear's work, which is yeah. really a, a strange combination. So if you read Atomic Habits by James Clear, yeah. he says that kind of every action that you do is kind of a vote to it becoming a, ha- a habit, mm. right? So the more you do it, eventually that becomes you as a person. Um, you That becomes your habit. And then Snowden says that, well, Snowden and, and Carson pretty much say the same thing, that a culture of an organization is is a collection of interactions over time. So combination yeah. of both of their works, they pretty much say the same thing. So when I get into this minefield of blame and psychological safety, I kind of talk about it from a trade-offs point of view. So culpability slash accountability is a trade-off to psychological safety and people telling you I've made an error. So that is, which ultimately contributes to learning. So if you were to Mm. say, Learning is a trade-off for culpability. So if you're going to blame someone, you realize that that's a vote towards blame. If you have too many votes towards blame, you skip the tails, uh, the, you skip the, the, the tip the scales, yeah. and you you now are going to have really low learning levels. But but the, the reason I kind of talk about it in trade-offs is because I'm not saying you can never, ever hold somebody accountable and and ultimately issue a disciplinary and a process. I'm not saying that as a company you can never do that. What Mm. I'm saying is understand that the more you do it, the less psychological safety there is in an organization, the more psychological safe encouraging interactions, so to speak, you have, will increase it and and, and so on. Does that kind of make sense? That's how I apply totally. it in reality does that work or yeah i think it does it, i think it does and like you know i've you know there are we do have to hold ourselves we do have to hold each other and ourselves accountable to to accountable to high standards high standards of performance high standards of work um we can you know we can we can give people some we can give ourselves and people um some some time and space or you know some some allowance for you know or maybe we're 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 tired we're sick we've just had a baby we're we're going through some stuff like we 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 need to recognize that human performance and human ability to deliver at a certain level is going to be is going to change through through mm. our through a day through a week through our lives etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're not all going to be we're not we simply cannot perform at you know this standard all the time however that aspiration we we should try and get there yeah we also, and and I, and I do I do believe that nobody comes to work to do a bad job. We mm-hmm. all want to do a good job. We want to feel at the end of the day like we did a good job. We did a good thing. We made we made a difference. We all feel better doing that. But sometimes there are there are cases where people are not trying to do a good job, and there's all sorts of complex reasons why that might be the case. Um, there's social pressures there's there's other stuff going on there maybe they're completely disillusioned with their job and the business they're in um there's there's all sorts of reasons we could dive into um or there's or there's competency issues right there's there's, mm. there's essential competency um and i i have like i've sacked people in the past for repeated violations um of a policy uh that resulted in or could have resulted in serious incidents. 
Yeah. Uh, but that was only after many conversations. Mm. It wasn't like the first time. And and it was only after many, many conversations about how to do this, what to do, why to do it, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and it, it happens. It, it, you know, um, we, we're all Look human. Look at you trying human. to navigate this minefield. It, it is a minefield. It is a minefield. <laughs> and there is no real clear... This is why it's so difficult, because there's no clear... For us as sort of managers or leaders or people running a business there is no clear this is the this is the point where you need to punish and by punish i mean someone loses their job or or or, or yeah. gets some sort of other um, disciplinary or whatever yeah. yeah if if we were if we to if we were to work completely without consequence for for inappropriate behavior well that's 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 a route to poor performance but it's also actually weirdly it's also a route to low psychological safety mm. because it is that team culture of of understanding and knowing that we are all trying to hold ourselves to high standards we all hold ourselves to high standards of behavior um including it's including like the quality of work we do and as well as the quality of the interactions that we have with each other and i think this is we might get into banter in a minute and yeah, that's... we're very close. Because yeah. sorry, go on, carry on, carry on. Yeah, yeah, well, th- but that's what foster. That's what helps to foster psychological safety because it, again, it helps to set those expectations of the team. It helps us all on the team to know that 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 that, uh, that the, uh, other people on the team are going to treat us with respect and and uh, and 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 high standards of interpersonal behaviour. So this, re- I think, this flows really nicely into motivation because mm. mm. I think it would be very very demotivating to work in a place where the boundaries and constraints are so tight that we can't achieve what we want to do or what Mm -hmm. we need to do or what we're supposed to do. And then additionally, if there are no constraints and it's a no blame organization and you get a couple of, couple of people who just kind of take the piss out of that and they do a lot less work on low quality work, but you're having to work harder to compensate for that because you care about your job, which happens all the time, right? I'm, I've been in organizations where I've had to slog it because someone else isn't. And it's their context to why they're not working hard. Mm. Yeah, there probably is. But me as their colleague, one, doesn't give a shit. And two, um, I don't care about their context because I'm having to do all the freaking work that they're not mm-hmm. doing. So it becomes this a real emotional kind of, conversation so really Mm. it's a real hard thing for this a company to achieve in that too many rules and constraints and uh and and rigid processes is potentially going to chip away at my motivation i think and then and then too loose of it you know just a hire and fire and kind of way of 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 walking you know doing whatever uh wild west of work so to speak yeah it's going to be demotivating as well yeah yeah, and and probably the worst of the two, the worst of the two is where you do have rules and procedures and boundaries and and values and stuff like that, but no one is held to them. They're Which just, I think is safety in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, and they're just the it, it, things on the wall and yeah, 
Yeah. In a in a normal work environment, maybe in higher risk environments less so, but in normal work, which is what we call most of our customers, normal mm. work like manufacturing, construction, you know, not high hazard industries, um, the amount of rules that are on your rams, but your rams are not even used to blow your nose. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's completely pointless, and that just becomes exhausting. Um, and and demotivating for everyone. How yeah. how does oh, there's so much in this. I'm kind of just gonna. When we, how does motivation work within? We kind of touched on it. I think you kind of said clarity of contribution, which for me felt like. Well, I think I wrote that in my notes as kind of what you said. I've got clarity of how I'm contributing to the to the work. For me, that felt very similar to motivation as how I would describe it. It also felt not just this point, but another point you mentioned a minute ago. A lot of this stuff feels real close to Daniel Pink's work on yeah. on flow and and I can't remember how else you kind of said it, but but feeling like it's getting an enjoyment out of it and being in yeah. that state of flow in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so Dan, Dan Pink, um, um, drive. So there's the drive, this autonomy, mastery and purpose, which I think is really, really yeah. nice way of putting it because, uh, autonomy, mastery and purpose can kind of combine from the, from the ability. So autonomy is the ability or the agency to decide how I'm going to do the work. Uh, mastery is the expertise i'm actually capable and and i uh, and i'm yeah i'm capable of doing the work to a high standard um and purpose means like we we have something we're trying to achieve we 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 feel that uh that we're making a difference and we want to make a difference and this comes back to the google project aristotle uh stuff where they, where they talk about meaning so so people need to care about the what they do like you can do a good job if you don't care about it you reach a certain standard if you if you you know if you're doing something just to take a paycheck at the end of the day fine great yeah and you can do a good job but to reach really high performance uh people need to really really care about what they're doing and really need to be invested in the outcome and that's that's where the the, the uh, we start to address this idea of motivation and the flow thing is really interesting as well this is uh i'm going to pronounce this wrong but mihai check sent me high I think is how you pronounce his wow. name. I was even if that is wrong, that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Say it confidently, and everyone believes you. Um, um, yeah, and so this this idea of the sort of the level of challenge and the level of of, of difficulty and, and and stuff like that, where where we 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 want to sort of fit in that perfect zone of of challenge, where we we feel like we can do the work, but it's it's hard enough to to keep us interested, um, and that's that's the idea of flow and we all sort of i think most of us can can um empathize with with this idea of flow whether we're i sometimes equate it to mountain biking or, or motor car racing or software or like whatever you're doing you, you get in the zone you get in the flow zone and think, that's that i think that stuff works really really well. interestingly I, we did a whole book club around um daniel h pink book we used to run a book club through the health and safety network mm. um and Daniel H. Pink's book Drive was one of our earliest books, and and it was really I remember it being quite a busy call. And I do remember a couple of people, which I find really interesting. We we started off this conversation of how easy it is for people to kind of misinterpret a, a, a message from an academic or some amazing work like Daniel and Amy's work in that 
a couple of people in that book club, but also since I've had outside of the book club conversation with people, like, oh, I've read his work and, you know, people just don't value money. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it says. <laughs> it, it says you still need a fair salary to like live. I still need to feed myself. I yeah. feed my family. Um, but, but ultimately beyond that to get to the next level. But, yeah. but actually I think this is where it does get quite interesting in typically the the jobs where I find flow is really hard to get to um, because it's monotonous work. It's uh, maybe mm. like simple manual labor. So I'm thinking like yeah. in a warehouse, like you kind of said, if you're that kind of person that just wants to start at a time, finish at a time, go to work, do a relatively simple job, that that's cool and that that's sound. I think when we talk about flow, we all automatically go to like sports or complex work because it's really easy to talk about it and it makes sense. But mm. monotonous types of simple, the job is quite simple, but some people like doing it. Flow is really hard to maybe potentially achieve. I'm not sure. It feels like it would be. Secondly, they're also normally not paid great, these roles. And yeah. then you also like not really considered very nicely by the company and in, in a lot of these mm. in these roles. And I, and I just find like those types of like big organizations where ultimately you might have a laborer on a construction site who's got low flow, low, so low salary, maybe, and ultimately low um, motivation. And then we add in the fact that they might also have this low social hierarchy within the, within the gang of builders and all of this stuff, which boom, brings me to banter. And then we get <laughs> banter on the top of that. And you just like, this is such yeah. a complex social, if we just use the analogy of like a building gang where you've got a laborer, a brickie, a couple of brickies maybe. And this, this laborer now not getting flow, not getting good pay, and now he's getting the rip the shit ripped into him by all of these brickies as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're absolutely right. There are there are lots and lots of jobs out there. Maybe even most jobs out there that um, that are just a recipe for for um, dysfunctional culture or mm. a, a recipe for dysfunction. Because, like you say, people aren't paid enough, so they're so they feel disgruntled at the work. They feel like they're, they're, they're being taken advantage of and they're constantly worrying about money. So if you're constantly worrying about money, you can't really focus on the job. You can't get that flow because part of your brain is thinking, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay my rent? And that's yeah. and I've been in that situation. It's horrible. You can't focus on your job. Yeah. And at the same time, yeah, you're, you're, you're not able to get into a flow because the, the work you're doing, maybe it's monotonous, maybe it's not very highly skilled, maybe you, you know, it's 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 not something you enjoy um maybe it's it's physical maybe it's hard physical work as well i used to yeah. i spent a, i spent an entire winter hammering fence poles into frozen ground through through the winter that i didn't have flow in that i couldn't feel my feet yeah <laughs> i didn't even have blood flow <laughs> yeah, yeah i didn't even have blood flow let alone like mental flow um yeah uh and and so so you've, you've just got this recipe for dysfunction and so and this is where I think sometimes it's quite challenging because we can talk about psychological safety, we can talk about safety cultures and stuff like that, but but there are you know there's so much against us and 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 it feels almost sometimes it sometimes I, I recognize that it can feel a little bit of a luxury to talk about psychological safety at work. And I think this is sometimes where where we sort of get this detraction mm. um from some folks where it's just like 
we'll just get on with your job you're being paid but we can do yeah. another one but the banter thing i think is really interesting because banter oh banter is so tricky because it kind of comes back to the whole social contract what's banter to one person is incredibly offensive and harmful or could be incredibly offensive and harmful to another mm. um and in fact a lot of the time you wouldn't even know because say you've got a group of five people it might there might be five people a whole group of five people engaging in banter and what we call so banter you know might be like taking a piss out of out of someone for for how they look or how they sound or or, or where they're from or something like that and um and everyone you know maybe one person on in the one or two people in the group feels like this is all good this is a good laugh this is fun we're having a good time maybe one two three or maybe all of them apart from one are thinking this is this is horrible i'm not really not enjoying this but i'm going along with it because i don't feel safe to say folks this is this is really horrible i I really so i find banter is kind of like a social violation it's Mm. it's it's a purposeful breaking of a rule e.g it's kind of socially known you shouldn't mock people you shouldn't belittle people you shouldn't call people names you shouldn't kind of pick out their faults and make them public to everyone else. But we do it in the name of banter. And you're right, in some environments, it's very well accepted. I'm quite a banterful person. I I, I just enjoy having a good laugh. And I'm quite comfortable with people throwing shit at me. And I find 90% of the time that I find that more funny than anything else. Um, but I, I think about a couple of examples so i go to like a business networking group and we're known as like the banter group in the county right because right? people just gravitate to it that, that get it but mm. when people come from the other groups to cover for uh, people that can't come from our group they just don't like it and they don't get it and I, and it does make me reflect on it several times in that there's one lady in the group that that's she's not even that old, if I'm honest. But like, there's just this ongoing g- joke that she's really old, and that if if any any reference comes up about like the I don't know the King Charles, like I don't know, well King Charles, but like King Edward, for example, yeah. right, we'd be like, oh, you know him, don't you? Like <laughs> the joke, yeah. like. But but it doesn't take much for someone to come into the room and find that really offensive. And we've been in situations like that, which brings us all the way back to what we were talking about earlier. It's a purposeful deviation. We're mm. taking a risk and we could have to be held accountable for upsetting someone for that. It's a yeah. really fine line. Yeah. And one of the so one of the problems with with like banter and this sort of um almost laissez-faire attitude to sort of what thing is we all engage in banter to 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 varying degrees in 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 groups of different sizes and whatever but 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 one of the problems with it is that you don't it's kind of hard to know who's listening if you know what i mean like um who's who's seeing that and so so for 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 example so second and and how are they seeing it so yeah how are they seeing it Who's hearing it and how are they hearing it in yeah, a way, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So someone observing this group, someone who's new to the to the room and sees this group, bit of banter, taking a mick out of someone for being old. <laughs> and they might see that and think, oh, oh I, that's that's really horrible. I don't I don't want to be anywhere near that group because I don't want to be subject to that same sort of ridicule. I'm yeah. really conscious about my hair. 
or something. So if I go anywhere near that group, they're going to take the piss out of me for my hair. So I'm not going to go near that group. I don't feel safe in that group, even though everyone in that group feels safe. But just one, just one observer, because they don't have the context, they don't have the background, they don't have the, they don't have that deep interpersonal knowledge of that group. It looks unsafe, or it can make someone else feel unsafe, and it, and um, and then we get into sort of other tricky topics like um, I don't know. Well, no, I, th- I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing. I think, yeah. There's the one thing I kind of think of in uh, if if you're in, I, I don't think this is just for a banterful group, but it is a banterful group. Is that even a phrase? But a, a group that's full of banter mm. um, for that kind of real banterful style of group. This is just a really good example. I always kind of say like like when I'm talking to people, I say look, someone's got to go first. I think I mentioned, I might have mentioned this in the last yeah. podcast, I'm not sure, but someone's always got to go first. So the buffet's got to, someone's got to be the first person to the buffet, whether you yeah. like it or not, yeah. right? So you might as well just go first because, <laughs> yes, you might be the first person. Yes, there's a risk that you go up and then someone goes, uh, the buffet's not open, right? But but ultimately, that's that same rule applies with banter in that if you're a banterful group, I actually think the group has to go first in making that person feel comfortable. It's not on that person to fit in. They might not fit in anyway, and they'll they'll know that. But I think it's on the group to make them comfortable it's pretty quick. Mm. I've got to go. So if I know that I know that my networking group is quite a bountiful group, right? So if we get someone come in, it's on us as a group to kind of get in on that person, make them feel comfortable, get a gauge of that person as to trying to work out, are they up for the banter or not? And I think it's on, the onus is on us to, to do something. So in, from the point of view of a, a workplace team, if you kind of got an apprentice who's normally the, the butt of the banter, mm-hmm. nine times mm-hmm. out of 10, I think it's on the onus of the team to work out if that that apprentice can take the banter, because if they can't, it's a risk to you as a team, particularly in higher risk environments where that person could pose a risk to someone else. Well, yeah, and I think this is and this is this is kind of the crux of it, isn't it? Because because there's there's two aspects. One is one is that one is the fundamental respect for each other as a human being, um, and 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 we should have that innate respect for everyone as a complete human being. However whoever they are. And, um, you know, I think back to when I was at school and, uh, and banter was, was calling each other gay and saying, yeah. Oh, did you bring your boyfriend? Like, and that's like, that was, that was a long time ago, fortunately. And, and it, it, sorry, I want to interrupt you because yeah. it's really funny. You should say that I was listening to uh, a Joe Rogan podcast because I quite like my MMA. Um, yeah. So I was, I was watching this this kind of podcast of Joe Rogan, and it was a group of them, a group of him and his mates were doing this this thing, and um, they kept using "gay" as a derogative term, like, and oh. and it, and it made me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, and it actually made me really reflect on it, and that I would very comfortably, not so long ago, maybe about I don't know five to ten years ago, I would be quite comfortable going. All right, mate, gay, you know, and that was this big thing that went viral. Mm. But now I was sitting on the train only yesterday, and um, these guys are, oh, that's a bit gay, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, 
oh, I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that I feel uncomfortable hearing that. And I yeah. was actually surprised that I felt uncomfortable by it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, which, which reflects really well because, and, and, and is, and is a, um, you know, it's a sign of how, how far we've come, how far, how far we've progressed in a short period of time. Um, and we still have loads to deal with. And, and the fact that this still happens is a real problem. Um, but the problem is that some, you know, in some groups, that's just considered banter. Mm. But but what happens when, well, I was going to say, what happens when someone who is gay joins that group? Yeah. Or, of course, what might be, what might well be the case is that someone in that group is gay and they just feel so unsafe yeah. in even saying, by the way, I actually, I actually do have yeah. a boyfriend. Um, so interesting. And, and, and so, th- so there's this fundamental respect for each other as human beings that we must we 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 really have to get get down to and of course the from a safety from a business and safety perspective if someone doesn't feel safe to even be themselves at work to even you know to be their essential fundamental self um because they're afraid of the banter and what people might say and what people might think well that's immediately putting a it's immediately pushing down and squashing their ability to point out other concerns other things like say someone in that group i don't know erected some scaffolding and just didn't it looks a bit it looks a bit shonky this person who already feels like a bit of an outsider already feels a bit threatened already feels a bit interpersonally unsafe this problem they're going to go up that scaffolding yeah Yeah. and and actually uh, we've come across this in a, a team uh, somebody was kind of essentially wearing PPE wrong, um, and it was a point of banter. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was kind of part of this conversation afterwards. So after the fact, it came up in conversation. I kept coming back to it, and I was, I'm not sure if they still got the point. I'm not sure I got my point point across as well as I'd like to. Um, but ultimately, uh, they were kind of mocking this 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 new member of the team for not getting it right. Whereas I was coming at this and being like, why didn't the rest of the team notice it? So essentially this person went like a good, a good length of time wearing this PPE completely incorrect in that it would be doing nothing basically. Mm. And they were like, oh, you're an idiot. How did you not know? I'm like, there was just six of you other people around him at the time and not one of you noticed that. Like, and now what what is the next knock-on effect of that yeah. if it comes to another piece of PPE or another piece of equipment or see something else that he's not quite sure if that's right or wrong, he's not going to ask now because no, 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 no. I'm, I guarantee it's not because I've been there. I have been that guy that yeah. and I still am in some in some scenarios. I still am the person that's just like, well, I'm not sure if this is the right train or I'm not sure if this is the right turn in. Shall I yeah. ask someone? No, yeah. I won't. Yeah. And imagine if and if I've had evidence-based history of getting the shit ripped into me for asking that, I'm most definitely not going to say something now. Exactly. But, I personally find this really difficult to deal with because I personally quite enjoy banter and I personally quite enjoy throwing out the banter, but then mm. I also see the risk of it. And, and I've got a question for you, Tom. Sure. Randy, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Is banter just something that's wrong and should be wrong, but we're just so used to it that it's kind of socially acceptable? I think it's 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 almost impossible to say, but I think <laughs> banter is like banter's on a spectrum, right? Like there's 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 
there's banter and there's banter. Like there's 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 ripping it out of your like say you've got a you've you've got a mate who really really likes watching Love Island. I like, have, I have. My, <laughs> right. So I really like, shit into him for yeah. <laughs> so like if you know each other really well and like and 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 that's you know that's that's gonna be that's almost certainly in most cases that's absolutely fine um then there's but then there's banter where we're calling people gay and things like that now now Mm. one one fairly easy to to determine piece is that um is it on this end of the spectrum it's that's 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 a protected characteristic that's about that's something about who someone is that they can't change and so you know if we're if we're if we're ripping, if we, if 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 banter is a, is 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 criticizing or addressing stuff like that, that's that's just that's just not cool. That's that's okay. It's verging on hate speech. Like it's it's verging on actual actual crime to to a degree. Like if if you mm-hmm. shouted that at someone across the street, that's a crime. If you shouted mm-hmm. at, um, oh, you like Love Island at someone across the street, that's probably not a crime. Um. I like how you've drawn a distinction there. I think that's quite good. I think that's quite good actually. And I'm, I'm conscious we're 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 talking for a while, and there's, there's a um, couple of other bits I want to get into. Uh, but interestingly, just as a kind of if I was a a fly on the wall of this interaction, when I first joined the networking group, not everyone knew that I was hard of hearing and wear a hearing aid. Right. Uh, some people did. Um, but a couple of people didn't. And one I someone said something and I said, sorry. And they said something again. And I went, what did you say? And then someone else, because it's a banderful group, said like, he said, blah, blah, deaf boy. And the whole room, because I was really new to the group, the whole room went <gasps> like, because I had no idea how I was going to take it. Mm. He had no idea that I was actually deaf or hard of hearing. It's a technical yeah. term. He had no idea, right? He just thought it's a funny joke because I've asked her to repeat herself yeah. five times in a row. Yes. So he kind of said this, and then after me, and I didn't think anything of it, mate. Not one didn't even didn't even come in my brain. I was like, oh, that's funny because I'm actually deaf. That's even funnier. <laughs> yeah. Eating my breakfast, making a bacon sandwich. He comes over to me. He's like, James. Um, I'm really, really sorry. I did not know that you were you were actually deaf. I'm really, really sorry. And I was like, hey, fine, whatever. I probably felt more uncomfortable with the, the apology than I did the actual. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. I got yeah. flying wall, like with the context, he in his head was like, that's not acceptable. Without yeah. the context, that is acceptable, which again comes back to what we're talking about. Everything is kind of outcome-based, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, yeah, and in fact, yeah, that's so that's a really good point because I think the the most psychologically safe teams, the most highest, the, the best performing teams will feel safe to call each other out and say, oh, mate, that's, no, that's not, like, you know, you might be a banterful group, but, 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 a, a good psychologically safe group with with good boundaries with 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 ethical standards of behavior will feel safe to to say oh no dude that's um that's a bit too far mate you've taken that a bit too far that's 
Yeah. So I'm I'm so happy you mentioned that because I was trying to work out in my head how do I get to this point because that that I think is a, is one of the other misconceptions of psychological safety that I yeah. want to kind of bring up and that I think everybody thinks that it's like oh Tom you're so lovely and never actually giving you any critical feedback. Yeah. And and I, I think that's a complete misinterpretation. Actually, I think it's the opposite. And not, and, and it annoys me how people don't get this because I think yeah. Amy herself, let alone everyone else who talks about it, I think Amy is really clear on this. Yeah. Actually, psycho- psychological, psychologically safety, safe teams would be seen to kind of like bicker a lot more than any other group because they're saying, no, Tom, sorry, that's not acceptable. And you're going, oh, no, actually, I think it is acceptable. I mean, you're going to debate that in a way, which mm. might outside in look look like we're bickering. We're not. We're we're assessing the new boundary in a way, aren't we? Yeah, 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 completely, completely. And and um, it's, I'm, I think I'm going to phrase this wrongly, but I, I, I like, I, psychological safety is is the comfort in being uncomfortable. Hmm. it's 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 the comfort in being able to challenge and be challenged yeah in order to raise our standards yeah and um and and they might be standards of behavior like communication and banter while there might be standards of workmanship or standards yeah. of quality or, st- or, or or whatever it is but that's and and like you say psychological safety doesn't mean whatever goes like anything goes it doesn't mean that people feel safe to say whatever the hell they want it means it means people feel safe to to say something if they're not sure and and someone else will say actually no that's that's or 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 a better way to say that would be this like um uh i I remember when i worked back at the arena um and when i when i joined uh this this big concert venue the language around um wheelchair users was disabled people right yeah um uh, and then we and then we we moved into wheelchair users or people who use wheelchairs and and um and we, you know we we felt safe in having that conversation about oh that's we've we acknowledge that that's a that's an outdated term and it might cause offense so we're using this new term yeah and again this comes back to i think as well accountability there's accountability on both sides for so so that that scenario of me being called deaf boy there's an accountability on me let's say i wasn't comfortable with it let's say i wasn't let's say i was really upset right um i think it's an onus on me because he doesn't know me as an onus on me to not react and just say, I appreciate that you didn't know me, Tom, when you said that. Um, but I, I'm just letting you know that going forward, I, I don't find that acceptable. I feel, it made me feel a bit uncomfortable, but look, I call, I'm cool. You know, we're cool. Let's grab a bacon, sani or whatever. Yeah. Like, but, but actually what we see, and I think we're seeing this in the evolution of our language with, as we're trying to, as a society, we're trying to tackle things like, um genders and all of this stuff like yeah. and 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 the reaction from some people are the recipient recipient of someone getting it wrong the turn mm-hmm. around you just do this and you, you're completely negating where we need to get to that person needs to learn boundaries they're not going to learn boundaries by getting absolutely rollicked by yeah by yeah, yeah exactly 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 and, and actually your 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 example of 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 being called deaf boy is, is a really good one because yes in an ideal world in a psychologically safe team you would feel safe and you and 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 that degree, that high degree of standard on the team would 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 mean that you are beholden to say actually that's not cool yeah. um I, I you know 
use this different language or something like that. Even better, even better would be other people in the team recognize immediately. Yeah. And you don't even have to say anything. Someone else just says, oh, oh no, uh, dude, that's, you know, that's not. Which, yeah. to be fair, my group did do. Well, yes, yeah. They all went to him, like a few of them went to him afterwards and said, look, just to let you know, he is deaf. Uh, which which then created yeah, yeah. an effect. Yeah. So in a way, it, that, just reflecting on it now, I've never really thought of it like this. It's just I'm kind of thinking out loud here. It, it become I, I think we're quite a psychologically safe group in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's that's interesting. Yeah, and I think you know we 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 also need to be conscious that um, so, so yeah so so say someone who's trans for example someone who's trans for example might spend an awful lot of their time um telling people what their pronouns are so yeah. correcting people on what their what, what their gender is or, or how they identify and and just dealing with all that shit that they have to deal with now yeah. so so we should be careful not to put the um the onus on them the, the, the responsibility on them to sort of teach the rest of the group how to behave like ideally yeah they would feel safe to to say you know my my pronouns are they them um i identify as non-binary and blah 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 blah. ideally but chances are they've they're probably sick of this and 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 they could do they could do with some help frankly they could do some help in in working with the group and and telling the group what um so so other people in the group yeah um, can can take on that role for them and support them yeah, yeah. well it's interesting when I, what the example of kind of when we talk about someone's got to go first and we're in the context of, of with a customer and a client we typically say someone's got to go first and in an organization it needs to be power first and power mm. is is the business e.g the majority so in your context the majority should should go how do you want me to 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 uh refer to you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Then I do think it that there also needs to be the the other side, like so the employee side also needs to take some accountability on how they so it's like the, 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 there needs to be accountability both sides. Yeah, but yeah, I think fundamentally people don't understand psychological safety and that it is exactly you hit it on the nail on the head. It's being comfortable to be uncomfortable, which we 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 had I I really would like I might send you the link, but not to kind of push my own podcast on back onto you. But we had Dara, I think I mentioned this on the last episode, a lady called Dr. Dara Blumenthal who came on the podcast and she said that line, um, it's all about feeling safe to be uncomfortable or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And we snipped it and it's in the like the intro to the podcast because just loved it. Yeah. And, and that for me is kind of in a nutshell it's it's having these uncomfortable conversations to go i'm not comfortable with that i understand you coming from a very different position to me and i'm ready for you to tell me that you're not comfortable with me being uncomfortable with it in a way yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly and actually and you and, and i love that you brought up power as well because because people in power whether that's you know whether they own the business they run the business they're ceo they've got you know they're, they're higher up in the hierarchy or they've or they've just been with the business a long time like they've got loads of tenure and you know you know everyone knows old bob he's been with us three decades and you know so old bob old bob has a lot of power in that in a certain sense of the word or there might be some there's lots of different kinds of there's many many dimensions of power and so it's really important for us to to acknowledge that um you know same as privilege privilege and power are kind of the same thing yeah um 
and so um so yeah so it is it I, I do believe it's it is beholden upon those with most power the most privilege to put in maybe more effort to create these safe spaces what's interesting is that it, it can often be in a sense more uncomfortable for them to do so because they're not used to being challenged they're not used to to people speaking up to challenge their ideas the way they behave the way they do things and mm-hmm. so that can be really uncomfortable particularly if you're you know if you're a leader who say owns a business who's been doing you know, their own business they've been doing it for 20 30 40 years to suddenly try and create a space where everyone can tell them they're doing it wrong or or they need to change something really yeah. really uncomfortable and and also like just i kind of since becoming one uh and and also then working with loads of them i just feel sorry for managing directors and ceos and senior leaders in organizations man like there is so much to think about and i i've raised this in a few conversations in the the, the new viewy type of safety world in the, an art which i include myself in that in that we are so good now at not blaming the shop floor, but we are terrible at not blaming leaders. Like we blame leaders yeah. like mad. Yeah. And we we just we do not apply the same principles of local rationality, considering yeah. the context, all of that. We do not apply that to leadership whatsoever. If you're a managing director and you've killed someone, you're a bad person. Even yeah. though do you know most managing directors I know would be suicidal if they killed mm. someone in their workplace they would be so yeah. so distraught yeah yeah I, I completely agree we 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 do have this slightly strange paradigm and where where on one hand leaders are kind of exalted and these kind of like supreme beings mm. um in this maybe the simon sick kind of world where they're they're kind of oh and yeah. um and then and then there's a sort of another paradigm almost at the same time where they're the kind of that everything is on the leader everything is their fault everything is their responsibility um and if something goes wrong it's on them and to a degree like to a degree both it's all yeah it is on them 100 they have the power it is on them and this is where it's uh, conscious of time and we need to we need to wrap this up and move this on to on to uh, the end of it because I've got another call coming up, but 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 ultimately it is on them. Um, but that that's where I think this conversation of accountability is really interesting. Yeah. In that we're not removing accountability, you're still accountable. You could still be legally held to account, and so you should. Yeah, and so should the employee as well. But ultimately, we can still consider the context. Yeah. I, I, I do think that is what a court of law does. If we yeah. look at a court of law, that's what a jury does. That's what a judge does. We go, it's got two li- li- opposition and, and prosecution and defence. Tell us the context. Right, now I'm going to make a decision based off that context. Yeah. I, I think the judicial system has been doing it pretty well for a very long time. Yeah. And it's it's always messy. Like, it's always messy. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything is messy because we're people. We're biological, crazy beings. Yeah. yeah emotional irrational and 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 so it's always going to be messy there's always going to be extra reasons extra things we didn't think of the the messy details of uh, uh, to, that we can get into in conversations about why something went wrong how it went wrong yeah. Yeah. um and um yeah 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 it's uh, it's never clear cut well yeah. it's always contextual yeah 
Tom, I could uh, stand and talk to you about this pretty much all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's been quite refreshing actually um, talking to you because I kind of have become exhausted with it all. Of like, I find LinkedIn a very toxic platform, if I'm honest. But um, seeing it on LinkedIn, a lot of times I'm just like, oh god, I've had enough of this. So talking to you has, has kind of rejuvenated my my passion for a lot of this stuff. So thank you very much. Oh, good, good. I'm really pleased about that. Yeah, it's, it, and and the same, the same. It's uh, it can be hard to not be worn down by some mm-hmm. of the um, uh, less than less than ideal messaging. Yeah. So. We weren't 100% sure what we were going to talk about in the last episode, so we were going to ask the listeners for um, some feedback. If they've got any questions, let us know. You, you, when this comes out, you have like a, a good month until the next one comes out. So if you, in the first two or three weeks of that month, get us some questions, you should work out that we'll have that in time for us doing a recording. However... In, in addition to that, there are two things we were going to discuss today, which we have not got onto, which is yeah. the criticisms and and the relationship with workers done, workers imagine. So I think what we'll do, last episode, we'll talk about criticism, workers done, workers imagine. And if listeners do send us some questions, um, we will we will slot them in uh, as well. And if li- listeners don't send us any questions, I'll make some up so that it looks like we've got a really engaged <laughs> audience. <laughs> Good move. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And now Excellent. That you'll never know you'll never know. <laughs> um okay tom if people love what they're talking what you're talking about and they want to find out more about you work with you whatever how can they get in touch with you oh fantastic yeah good point so yeah head over to psychsafety.com uh and sign up to the newsletter get in touch read some of the articles we're nearly at newsletter 100 now so there's uh there's there's quite a lot to get through on on the website because they're all there to to read through so if you want to get into stuck into this stuff yeah get over there and find out more and um and yeah get in touch there's also a community to get signed up to and, and involved in there's meetups and all sorts of stuff so yeah awesome and your your download i think it's, it's either free or very cheap i can't remember it's uh, uh it's it's relatively cheap it's 17 pounds 50 uh yeah. to download the the psychological safety action pack which is like yeah. a toolkit full of full of loads and loads of stuff to to build and measure and learn about psychological safety with your teams and in, in an organization so yeah yeah, yeah. That's really good. I downloaded that. I love it. It's really good. Um, I like that. Um, and yet your newsletter is is very good as well. I quite like your, yours and Chris Clearfield is probably the only ones I actually read at the moment. <laughs> no no offence if anyone else says we can do that. Thank you very much, Tom. And um, I hope, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. It's been a good chat. I really no, enjoyed thank it. Thank you, James. Really appreciate it. Yeah, have, I've had a great time. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that episode two of Psychological Safety. If you need some help with this stuff, obviously go check out Tom if you're looking for specialist psychological safety stuff. Um, Tom is 100% where to go. Me and Tom actually do some work together as well where our customers are looking for a combination of kind of taking high reliability, human organizational performance, risk management stuff, applying it to a safety kind of uh, focus area. Um, but psychological safety tends to fall quite close within that so if we ever need some uh, some real specialist uh, work on psychological safety we bring tom in he's that good um so go check out tom obviously if you need some help with safety risk management fire safety you want your safety systems safety management safety approach safety culture bleh, 
all to be a bit more like high reliability that is what we do so check out riskfluentltd.com and we can help you out we're just doing some awesome projects at the moment uh, all focused around learning organizations and human-centered uh, risk management and safety it's proper exciting stuff we're mad with fire safety stuff as well as we said on the last podcast as well it's all fire 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 at the minute so if you need some help you need a chat whatever you want to come on the podcast drop me a line james at riskfluentltd.com or you can go on our website there's a contact us page and you can just put whatever you want in there catch you next week safe the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilized in real life as the only solution available assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies no part of this podcast may be reproduced stored or transmitted in any form or by any means mechanical electronic or otherwise without prior written permission from james mcpherson 